0: you very much for joining me Tony McSherry for this latest Evering Football podcast. Today we're looking back at the year that was 2021, probably one of the most unique, remarkable and crazy years of all time in football. There is so much to look back on and I'm very pleased to say that joining me for this podcast is Brian McSherry and Colin McSherry later in the show. So we'll get straight into it then too. Probably one of the biggest moments of the year, um, came offset. Well, came outside of football maybe in a way. In April of twenty twenty one, the uh, European Super League was attempted to be created by many of the big owners within football, and include the likes of Liverpool, Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs, European clubs such as. AC Milan, Inter Milan, Juventus, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid. Uh, yeah, it was completely crazy watching that unfold. Uh, what was your reaction then, Brian, when you first heard about the news of the European Super League? Um, it actually broke. I remember when it was uh, just during a Manchester United match, actually, as well, in the Premier League. Yeah, that's right. Um,
1: I was pretty surprised, but not completely shocked, because there's always been talk about it, because of the... Champions League hasn't really gone forward in the last few years just they're expanding it and just letting lower quality teams in it more and more and that's just kind of kind of see how the big teams were looking at because they're losing more power and youth is just making more money so they're like they want to take it into their own hands because I mean they do own the clubs and stuff and they're worth billions and billions so they want to make more money out of the back of it and make a Super League would have definitely done that i mean i know a lot of all well, tv people were saying they wouldn't work on it they wouldn't watch it but i mean nobody was gonna watch champions league if all the big teams weren't in it and everybody would have got on board with it like if it did get through um even though they say they wouldn't everybody would have watched it, and it probably would have been pretty good to be honest seeing teams play big teams every week and yeah it would have been interesting and, it wasn't like it was a closed shop, like everybody was saying, because teams could get relegated from it. So it would have been interesting to see. And uh, it's definitely not finished with like, because I mean, Barcelona, Real Madrid and Juventus are still having meetings about it. So it'll definitely come up further down the line again. So I can see it coming back in like three or four years time when they've got more uh, thought put into it. And uh, we'll definitely see it coming up again in the future. Definitely.
0: Yeah, that is true. Yeah, um, it truly was a very remarkable couple of days as it happened. How quickly it was sort of beginning. I remember the website being set up as well too of the Super League? And yeah, it really did it was gonna happen. And I think I remember Monday Night Football and Neville and Carger were on talking about it. And I think literally just after or the next yeah, the next day I think it was uh, Chelsea were playing a game. And there were fans outside protesting as well. And I think Peter had to go out to try um talk to the fans and help them let the bus free so Chelsea can fill their fixture. And yeah, that was it was crazy how it just completely unfolded with teams pulling out. But yeah, I think you're right then. Definitely, this is not the end of the Super League. I think it's going to come back again as well in the future. There'll be more manoeuvrings in the background. And yeah, who knows? 2022 then makes it for an exciting year ahead then. And probably I'm guessing, Brian, in your opinion, this was probably the biggest moment in the year of 2021. And... Obviously, I'm guessing that has to be what happened in the summer with Cristiano Ronaldo returning to Manchester United after leaving in 2009 for a world record fee at the time of £80 to Real Madrid. Um, He eventually did re-sign for the club in the summer of 2021. Uh, With a lot of speculation in that moment of him going to Manchester City, yeah, that made it all the more spectacular, his re-signing at Old Trafford. Yeah, what were your thoughts, Brian, on Ronaldo coming back to Man United, and how shocked were you that he chose to return to the club? Yeah, it's um, it's pretty surprising because
1: I didn't expect him to really be available. I thought he would stay in Juventus for another year. didn't think anybody would afford him or I didn't think they would want him to leave. But uh, yeah, when all stories came out that City wanted him and it looked pretty much done, then United weren't involved. Um, Yeah, it was crazy because I just we can already see how City are playing now and they're not even in top gear having got a striker so you can imagine if they had Ronaldo just everything they actually would win everything like because he's so driven and everything and him working with Guardiola would have just been yeah it just would have been illegal pretty much because nobody would have a chance and yeah I think that's only you reason know, I got involved because the fans would have just went mental and the uh staff um, like Ed Woodward and the Glazers just wouldn't be allowed to be seen in Manchester again like if uh, Ronaldo played for City so they kind of just knew they had to get that deal done and when United were in Ronaldo really couldn't turn us down because if he went to City everybody would have hated him and I don't think he would have wanted that Um, but I, he's probably looking at it now like it's a wrong decision because he has been our second best player to the Gea and he's scored plenty of goals like 15 goals already this season but he's just not getting the chances or anything but yeah it was a great great to see him come back because the euphoria at united was pretty good when we were like semi on a good run like I thought we could be in a title race and stuff like that and when he came back that first weekend against newcastle it was just madness like it's like the biggest star in the world set. Manchester and everybody's there to see him and he scored two goals and it's just crazy but it's kind of just dampened down now because we've been so bad but still great to see him come back and never know, maybe we can get something going and he could win something because that's what he's here to
0: do, he wants to win he doesn't
1: just want to come back to score goals like
0: and of course yeah, after Ronaldo joined a few months that followed, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was sacked by Manchester United after a complete uh, downturn in results um, do you think Ronaldo Sain had a bit of an impact in, in this way for Solskjaer, uh, possibly, or their whole uh, pretty much combination of factors that led to his dismissal at Man United?
1: Yeah, I think everybody could see that Solskjaer did well to an extent. Now when he got these three signings, Ronaldo, Varane, Sancho, just three world-class players, you can only go one way better. You can't get any worse if you get them players, and we got worse. So that kind of quickened it up a wee bit, because uh, Ronaldo wasn't going to sit back and accept losing at home that Everton, Newcastle, anybody, just, he he'd be angry and he'd show his frustration and obviously he's got more power than Solskjaer would, he'd have more power than any manager would, so he could probably get anybody sacked, so yeah, I think he quickened up the process, but he was definitely on a he was definitely getting sacked Solskjaer and it wasn't a surprise, and it should have happened earlier, definitely, because left United in a in a tough run now to get top four, which is shambles because we signed three world-class players. And for that to be the case in the to top four battle in
0: December is just a shambles. And, of course, another big transfer, Ronaldo's great rival, Lionel Messi, made a shock decision to leave Barcelona after what looked like the day before. It was announcement that he was leaving, that he was going to sign a new deal. But again, game Barcelona financial turmoil... Team they can uh, afford to keep Messi on as he was a free agent for it most of the summer as well, which is quite remarkable. But yes, of course, P- PSG um, they stepped in and managed to sign arguably one of the greatest players to ever play the game, Lionel Messi. And along that, they signed the likes of Sergio Ramos, Gigi Donnarumma, and Jorginho Binaldum. And yeah, Brand, what do you think then of Lionel Messi joining PSG? this summer and of course going on to win the 7th Ballon d'Or this year?
1: Yeah, it was a, it was a strange one because everybody just couldn't see him playing outside of Barcelona and then when it happened, kind of the only move that made sense could have him playing for Man City but just uh, they didn't even have the funds to get him. Um, so PSG was like the only real club that could take him and I mean... It's pretty laughable how bad he's doing. Like, one league goal in France. It's just Farmers League. It's unbelievable. And the fact that he could get the Ballon door with having a good five months with Barca, which he was pretty much man of the match in every game, but we can see how bad Barca are now. So, what does that say? It's just... Uh, it's unbelievable. And he did win the Cop America, but that's lost all credibility now because that's played every, like, year. And there's only, like, really two or three teams that should win it and really only Brazil are the team that you expect to win it that have won it in the last few years because it's been dominated by like Chile and then even Colombia winning one so I mean how good is Messi if like Chile are winning two Copa Americas before he can pull Argentina to one so that kind of just shows that's not really a massive achievement as well so it's just yeah you probably get Stuff going at PSG soon enough when they maybe get a new manager who plays him in the key role. If Mbappe leaves, then I could see him doing better. But it's just sad uh, if Ronaldo played for PSG and had one goal and Messi went to the Premier League and had the stats Ronaldo had, you just you'd hear all this agenda saying Messi's the best, and that's how you can see it. But it's Ronaldo who's doing that, and they're all saying Ronaldo's finished and not a word's being said about Messi, so it just it's a crazy world and everybody just gets off it like so yeah hopefully hopefully Ronaldo can have a good 2021 and
0: win the Ballon d'Or this season. Yeah you must feel in after that Ballon d'Or uh, that Robert Lewandowski after the year he had and made a goals he scored trophies he won that he was completely robbed.
1: Yeah definitely. Um, I don't think Ronaldo deserved to win the Ballon d'Or this year. Um, Definitely not but Lewandowski deserved to win it. Um, He should have got it last year, but I know it's only based on one year, so that doesn't really come into it. But even still, if you base it on this year, he still scored more than Messi. Um, Messi may have created more like, but Lewandowski then scored more, and then he won more. And it's just, yeah, it wasn't right like he's got robbed there. But he's won pretty much everything else, like individual awards, so I don't think he'll really care about it and he's playing pretty well again this uh, season so he definitely be off his shout to win it um next year so he might he might get one yet.
0: Yeah that is very true indeed for Robert Lewandowski. And again there were a few big retirements in the year twenty twenty one. We and Rooney retired at the start of the year to take over fully as manager at Derby County in the championship. And Manchester City legend Sergio Aguero retired from football after moving to Barcelona the summer of twenty twenty one and finally only scoring one goal for them, his final goal ultimately in his career was Neil Clasco, um having retired retired due to health problems in December twenty twenty one. So yeah, two very big names in the name of foot in in football retiring, Brand, Uh how do you think uh, Aguero and Rooney will be remembered in their careers? Yeah, they'll definitely go down as uh, heroes.
1: Heroes at their clubs, United and uh, Man City, um, mainly because of what they did for them clubs over 10 years or so. Um, Yeah, Rooney just unbelievable player and uh, kind of not given the credit he deserved because he's kind of like a workhorse. He would play in any position and let others shine towards the end of his career. He just dropped back forever and forever in the midfield and Still, the United's all time league goal scorer in England's just shows you how good he was. And uh, yeah, it's kind of just forgotten how, how big a player he was for United and how important he was. And yeah, it's pretty showing now because if he was, a, he could still do a job for United and I could play better than the midfield we have at the minute and he'd be a good captain as well. So shows you how good he is that he could still turn out for United and I. Um, and yeah, Warwick he did give me the the worst day of my life in football with that goal at the end had in the 93rd minute to steal the title. But yeah, you have to admit he was probably one of the best Premier League strikers in the world, uh, Premier League strikers ever. Um, with his goal return, I think he's still I think he's the top goals to game ratio ever in the Premier League, uh, which is crazy. And he always did it in the big games too. He would always score against United. He would always score against Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool. Um. So yeah, it's pretty pretty bad that he had to go out that way. I think the best thing would have been if he could have played, started that Champions League final against Chelsea, I think they would have won, to be honest. And then he would have went out with pretty much winning in everything that he could. But uh, yeah, sadly not for him. Uh, but a good way to finish it off with a goal in the El Clasico.
0: Yeah, and as you are saying about Aguero, being regarded as probably one of the greatest strikers in the Premier League. An interesting debate that always comes up is uh, who was better in their prime, Aguero or Suarez. Um, Of course, for me, I'd always say Suarez, uh, not being biased at all in any way. And I just feel like Suarez has time at Liverpool. You think the team he was playing in, yeah, that was um some achievement. I managed to get it. It was plus 30 goals in two consecutive seasons under Rodgers. And ultimately, he did win the Champions League as well, that Aguero did not win which he did promise to win at Man City, actually, as well, um, before leaving the club. Although he did come very close in his final ever game. But yeah, I always think Suarez just had that little bit of an edge to him and there was something just a bit different in his game. to Aguero? And you just wonder, would Aguero be able to do the same if he had that team that Suarez had at Liverpool um earlier in his career? But who would you say was a better player? Yeah, I suppose uh,
1: Suarez was always in a, a lesser team. And uh, when he went to bigger clubs like Barcelona, he could see oh, how many goals he would score. Um, but yeah, Suarez always seemed to get plenty of goals against uh, the weaker teams. If you wanted to get a hat-trick against Norwich, he'd be your man. But if you want someone to get a hat-trick against Chelsea or United, Aguaro's your man. So that kind of shows the levels there. You could always just rely on one in the big games. The other, he would always um, start pot against the, the weaker
0: teams. Yeah, uh, two very fantastic and exceptional players indeed. And yeah, just a, another question, Brandon, on 2021. Um, Again, pundits have a, they have a very big say in the game and their opinion carries a lot of weight in the game of football. Maybe more pundits offer in others. People like to maybe uh, assume this on what they achieved as a player in the game. But of course, there's uh, certain pundits that do like to talk quite a lot and do have uh, very big opinions. Uh which pundit would you say probably has been the best? Um in twenty twenty
1: one? Um yeah, there's plenty. Um plenty of pundits. Not there's plenty of good pundits, but there's plenty of pundits, but I'd probably have to go with I like Roy Keane just because he always says it how it is and he's always he's always not there. Uh, Free to throw players or throw digs at people, um, but it would be try between Roy Keane and Jimmy Carragher because he's Jimmy Carger's talked a lot since probably more than anybody, even more than Roy Keane when it came to United and uh, Solskjaer. Just everybody wanted to give Solskjaer more time because they were sharing a dressing room with him, they knew him, and Carger was always saying, Why should United not go for another big manager after? Mourinho, because all Carragher or all Gareth Neville or Roy Keane would say they failed having a big name manager. So I would go for another one. Just made no sense. And Carragher was always saying it how it should be that United need to go and get the best manager, get the best players, get everything else. They shouldn't be settling for a, a manager who got Cardiff relegated. So I'd I'd probably give it to Carragher just because he spoke so much sense in that regard, and he didn't spit on anybody this year. <laughs> it's always a good thing
0: alright so there you go you have your, have your thoughts in on the best pundit I think I think for me probably uh, the one I always enjoy the most is probably Roy Keane the way I must say he is again even though being the United legend um, he really doesn't I think <laughs> it is quite funny as well watching his bitterness towards Man United <laughs> um, you can sort of hear it in his voice as well too, when he talks to the club and it's just <laughs> you know what uh, it was a 2005 he was sort of like pushed out of the club by Ferguson <laughs> I think he's still bitter over that there in a way and I think Mika Richards did an interview from him recently and said, ah, yeah, I should, I should have been... Um, I, was, I think Richards said to him, would you ever consider going to Man United again as manage, or taking over as manager? And he said, ah, I, I think he, he would do a good job in a way. And also, he, although he has kind of burned his bridges. <laughs> in a way, but yeah, um, he had some sort of Eamon Dunphy style about him, his punditry. Which I suppose people in England, UK, wouldn't be too familiar with Eamon Duffy's type. But yeah, that no nonsense style, it really does make good TV in a way. And people do really enjoy out there, and you can—I think—you notice it with Sky. The council, they constantly always throw Rocky Keen out every opportunity, um, just to hit, get more views up. And yeah, he has done wonders in that there, and who knows if he will ever return again to management. But yeah, no, I must say, it has been a truly incredible year that is twenty twenty one, and of course, I'll be talking about of more later in the show. But on Euro twenty twenty, Brian, um, yeah. But was it was that a real shock to England getting that far and even then losing the final being such big favourites?
1: Yeah, it's a, it was a pretty good tournament. Um, but yeah, it's I didn't expect England to get that far because uh, I thought there would be um more of a challenge because the World Cup previous to that in twenty eighteen they got a good run and you kind of thought they might they had a chance there then play anybody really that difficult and they went out to the first half decent team Croatia and then that's kind of what happened again this year, they got a pretty easy run and the only real tough team they ran into Germany and they weren't even at their best and then they beat Denmark in the semi-finals, made hard work of that Um, and then they really should have beat at like elite aren't, uh, aren't as great as uh, they used to be and Yes, after especially after going one 0 up early in the final. They just sat back and sat back and once Italy got that goal just they had all the momentum in England. Really didn't have a chance like. So yeah, it was pretty it's pretty good game, especially going to penalties and everything and it was just yeah, it's pretty crazy. It could have went either way in the end, but yeah, um good tournament and yeah, it's good to see that and I because it was delayed a year the next yeah international tournaments only less than a year away so that's pretty good we'll enjoy that in 2022 to look forward
0: to all right so there you have thoughts of Brian McSherry on the year that was 2021 and coming up in the next part of the show we'll be hearing Colin McSherry's thoughts on 2021 talking about Chelsea's winning the UEFA Champions League for the second time in the club's history So in 2021, it was a very good year for Chelsea, although it did not start off the best, of course, with Frank Lampard, a club legend, being sacked in January of 2021. Then the former PSG and Borussia Dortmund manager Thomas Tuchel had taken over and one achievement he did as he managed to turn around a lot of fortunes for Chelsea and guide the club to their second European crown in Porto. Conliff, um this has obviously I'd say been a very good year for Chelsea and as a big Chelsea supporter yourself, you must be delighted with how it's panned out for Chelsea and the impact that Tuchel had this year.
2: Yep, it's definitely been a great year for Chelsea, so it has. I think it's um overpassed prop um expectations to a certain degree, you know, when Tuchel came in, the idea was to Get top four, I suppose, then, which was achieved. But then, obviously, win the Champions League. You just thought, mm, how's this going to happen? Win the Champions League because in the last 16, you know, Afflego was a tough tie. Um, I remember watching that and they were all over us, first 15, 20 minutes. Then Giroud scored a great goal. So, thankfully, that happened. Then, obviously, we we'll beat them at the, end of the bridge. So, then, well, at that point, I wasn't thinking, God, Chester are going to be proper contenders here for the Champions League, but as you know, it was, just, it was more of an underdog. Like People were worried, more worried about PSG, Barnes, City, which kind of did Chelsea's favour, so did. so we could just prioritize ourselves and not have the media put pressure on us. So I think, um, yeah, it was obviously a fantastic achievement for Chelsea winning their second Champions League in 21, so it was, but um, yeah... The year overall has been just a typical, you know, you could say typical Chelsea year. Like, you know, it's full of ups and downs, controversies, um, issues, etc. You know, but um, yeah, no, I've really enjoyed 2021 so half, although it still does hurt me. So, those that Lampard got sacked, you know, uh, if it was me, I would never sack him, honestly. You know, um, although you could say, well, look at what came because of it. I understand that, but. I just felt, you know, this this should have been different for Chelsea, but I suppose Frank knew himself, the circumstances and all, So, yeah, just been another great year, Sure, so it was. A typical Chelsea year, but you no know, one that's been paid off big time, so frankly. thankfully.
0: Yeah, and I guess you're right to say, call it has been a typical Chelsea year again with uh, another managerial change mid-season leading to a trophy-winning season for Chelsea. And of course, Chelsea won their first ever Champions League in two thousand and twelve, and again won it in twenty twenty one under Thomas Tuchel. But a big question for you then, Colin, is which uh, Champions League winning campaign was your favourite, and maybe how much how different do you think they were, comparing the situations that Roberto Di Matteo had and Thomas Tuchel. Um,
2: favourite. I don't know. Perhaps I love the twenty twelve one because. I was younger, I was only 13, so I was, so it was, as a kid, you watch your team win the biggest club competition, is just like, it's heaven, so it's utopia, so I suppose I personally, I think I personally enjoyed that one more, just because it was just, just as a kid, like, it's just everything, whereas perhaps nowadays, as an adult, you look at football and you realise it's not the end of the world, if something doesn't go on, but then it was basically it was everything still is a lot to me you know but I think just as an adult, you understand more of the games we do you understand that certain ways to play tactics you know theater etc whereas the kid, you're just like you're just determined to win you just want your team to win so I enjoyed the 2012 one perhaps just a bit more as well because there was no pandemic you know there was no fans were in the ground you know, it was, just, it was a proper underdog story, whereas Chelsea this time we actually went through playing the best football. Which was brilliant so it was, you know, we beat Real Madrid, so we did um beat Porto and Aflego and etc. cetera, all that. So that was fantastic. But um yeah, I think I don't know, I just think I just love that one more, twenty twelve, just because you see Lampard, Terry, Drogba, Cole Check you just see them huge players playing in the first leg against Barcelona and Torres in that moment it's just, it's just it was like destiny so and then Drogba gives away a penalty an extra time in the final Czech saves it Robin ex-Chelsea player Drogba scores the winning penalty to win it and then he scores in the last minute the only cross of the game it was just it was like more of a fairy tale so no, I honestly love that campaign with of but I mean I did love this one as well to be fair but um. I the final, the 2021 final, wasn't as jam-packed as the 2012 one for me. But um yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, fantastic that we've won it twice so hard. But I do just think 2012, it tips it for me.
0: All right, thank you very much for your thoughts on that question, Conlove. And yes, again, in 2021, Euro 2020 took place. A year after it was meant to, of course, in the summer of 2020. And it was a truly incredible tournament that we've seen. England shocked many by reaching their first ever major final since 1966 under Gareth Southgate. And we're widely tipped and favourites going into that final against Italy at Wembley after taking the lead from a Luke Shaw early goal until uh, Leonardo Bonucci eventually equalised for Italy later in the second half. And eventually Italy won on penalties after Berkaya Saka had missed the decisive penalty for England, after being denied by Gigi Donnarumma. Yeah, so in Euro 2020, Conniff, kind how big a moment do you think that was? Lee winning Euro 2020 again, with England being the main favourites, it's coming home being the main champ of England fans, Italy changing to it's coming to Rome. Um, yeah, how you look back in the whole
2: tournament as a whole, yeah, I think I was um, I was massive for it when that, you know, I think um, we just managed to shut up England so did shut them up right so did um, the tournament itself was very good, I thought, you know, I think it was great games, I think um, Portugal's group was a very interesting group, I think France were in that Germany, Portugal and Hungary I think it was like 4-3 one of the games, Portugal were involved I know it was great, um, there was plenty of goals and England beating Germany in the last 16 that was a great game as well I loved that one and then Paris as well Paris was 3-1 up and Switzerland come back and they eventually go through should or France I should say sorry not Paris um, Mbappe
0: missed the penalty
2: yeah. yep Mbappe missed the crucial penalty you know people were saying it should have been his tournament you know obviously as well you like the the analysis you like BBC ITV you like the coverage on Sky you know it's just all summer fever shows which is Great, so it was um as well. Then I think um that tournament kind of belonged to Kiesa, so did um, I think he was fantastic for Italy. So I suppose that was huge for Italy in terms of perhaps making a points. And don't forget about us, because obviously they didn't qualify for the twenty eighteen World Cup. So people perhaps perhaps people underestimated Italy. People probably thought France were the clear favourites because of their squad and depth. And whatnot and then obviously England. England had the home advantage, you know, basically any game they played. They played most of the games in Wembley and you know, they were always gonna just have the fans and all, so I think I was huge like so it was, but um no, I think like I, I, perhaps that maybe was the worst start you could imagine. Scoring very early. They scored two minutes in to the final. I mean, once you score it either goes one way, goes two ways sorry, it goes you completely dominate the game or you get um compulsive and you just you just sit back and you invite pressure, you invite pressure. That's what felt what well happened to England. So they didn't really if they if it perhaps scored the first goal within twenty minutes, I would have been better because it would have given Italy less time to put more pressure on. I don't know, but it just wasn't meant to be for England, you know. Um but I really didn't like as well that um starting and Greenwich they didn't take penalties, whereas Sancho and Saka Leo Didler are young kids you know and jeez I mean it's, I know Gareth so if says no it's my responsibility but I, I I'm near sure that they that starting Greenish they like, um step up when they should have to be for their senior players basically so that was a really bad moment but um Donald as well, you know he was brilliant in the shootout. You know he was just so cool. Like when he saves the penalty from Saka, he doesn't go mad, he just like ice cold for his veins. So that was brilliant for it. So was, and you know it was a good tournament. You know a good tournament to have back. You know it was just like normal again Teams were packed, going crazy. So was, so no, it was a very good tournament. All right,
0: then yeah, and of course I think for me again, one of the biggest moments of. 2021, of course, for me being a Liverpool fan, has to be Alisson's last-minute goal against West Bromwich Albion in the Premier League. I think that was an incredible game just watching it live and thinking, oh, here we go, 1-1. Liverpool don't win this game. That's it, it's virtually over. We're in the Europa League next season. And, yeah, that was a, it was quite surreal, I think, of how, yeah, how close you were to being in the Europa League game. You know? if we were in the Europa League, it would have been a real dampener, I think, on collapse time at Liverpool again because we've had so much progression. In a way, and it was still a hard fought throughout that second half of the twenty 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 one campaign, with of course Nat Phillips and Reese Williams doing a brilliant job centre backs, and yeah, that Allison goal was absolutely incredible. I think one of the yeah most iconic moments has to be up there in Premier League history. It's the way it happens as well too. You just seeing a goalkeeper score as well, and I think uh, what always stuck out for me is what I remember checking Twitter after and seeing Liverpool's Twitter come up a goal. Uh, one of those wee photos just said uh, Goal Allison" on it. And I was wondering, <laughs> the person who created that there, did they just always know, have a feeling he was going to ever score once for Liverpool? <laughs> or did they quickly make it up on the spot or something? Uh, yeah, that that was a truly remarkable moment in Klopp's tenure at Liverpool. And pretty very decisive again. Of course, for Liverpool, securing qualification to the Champions League the following season then. Alright, so we reached the end then of this ring Football Year review. 2021. Thank you very much for joining me and my guests as well, Conlon McSherry and Brian McSherry. Do make sure to check out any other future podcasts that we have coming up in the future.